Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for joining Kim and I today on The Wonderful World of Wine. How are you, Kim? I'm doing fine, Mark. How are you? I am doing great, Kim. Thank Good. you. Today, is we're going to talk about the 2023 wine trends that people think. What's going to happen this year in wine? And last week, we reviewed the 2022 predictions, if they came true or not. We'll talk about trends that should be predicted to happen this year. And then, of course, we'll have to next year review these trends and these topics. Mm-hmm. The first article, Kim, we want to talk about, we had many people came up with their own little spin of what's going to happen, was Vine Pierce saying trends we should leave behind that happened in 2022. They mentioned first off healthy booze and healthy or locale was trending supposedly in 2022. And they're saying, let's not do that this year. What did you think about that take, Kim? I mean, I... My opinion has always been that healthy, quote unquote, wine, if you're removing calories or removing carbohydrates or doing something to it, you're really messing with that wine. So I feel like any of these products that are trying to sell themselves as either healthy or clean or any of that marketing language, they are manipulating that wine in some sort of a way that kind of brings it farther away from its natural, you know, people, there's this, I feel like there's this struggle between people who want to drink healthy wine versus people who want to drink natural wine. And if you are one of those people who are looking for less human intervention, more natural wine, your wine is going to be whatever the alcohol content, the yeast in that production wanted it to be. So it might not be a low alcohol wine, probably won't be a low alcohol wine. So, you know, these things that are marketed as healthy tend to be more manipulated by people because they had to change what was naturally going to occur in the wine anyway. So I have kind of issues with um, these sort of gimmicky products out there that are trying to tell people that, you know, you can drink this wine and it's better for you. I'm kind of of the, you know, it's the reality that, yeah, alcohol in maybe small doses, maybe is has some benefits to you, but be aware that it also does other things to your body. So I'm not on board with the healthy booze. Right. <laughs> I agree with all. you. Like, just be responsible. Yeah, I agree. And I say, I say leave behind the marketing and the you know, the false things and do focus on health. In this article, they were saying alcohol can never be healthy. So don't think it is and stop giving in to, they wish that the companies would stop duping customers with this low cal, low sugar stuff. But I wish they would have put it in another way, but think healthy, but don't fall for that healthy thing. I think maybe we should leave that behind. Just Uh, eat more vegetables. Yeah. Just eat more vegetables. Grapes. Count so grapes. <laughs> so the other drinking thing wine is, does not yeah. count as your well, daily serving of grapes. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's enough jokes about that. <laughs> Another trend they said to let's leave it behind into last year was that celebrity drink advice. And we mentioned 
this, that it was a trend in 2022 where people will be influencing and partnerships with celebrities and in wine products and liquor products. This is not going away anytime soon. Oh my God. And I think the first of the year I saw Tom Hanks drink was trending. He mixed, you'd hate this Kim, but I think he mixed champagne with Coke or something. It was like disgusting. But anyway, Tom Hanks did it. So everyone is trending and that type of stuff never going to end. So yeah. But I agree. Let's please leave that. We can yeah uh, keep it on the back burner. Yeah. Now let's talk about all these articles with things they said what to expect in 2023. Vinepair again was saying due to the economy, wine sales will be slow this year. But last year, consumption, they said, was down 1%, which I think is actually interesting because we drank like crazy coming into last year. So it only dropped 1%. I don't think that's a lot compared to what was happening the years before. Do you think the wine sales will be slow this year? I think that wine sales could be slow only in regards to if the economy keeps doing what it's doing, people just have less income to spend on things that are considered not a necessity. And for a lot of people, that is a a pleasurable bottle of wine to go with your dinner. So I think that a lot of this will be tied into restaurants. And if people stop going out to eat because maybe their budgets are a little tighter, then I think that wine sales will be tied to that, obviously, because they do kind of go hand in hand. I feel like we've been watching for a number of years this sort of trend of drinking less but drinking better that had been derailed a bit because of the COVID pandemic. And I wonder now if instead of saying buying two bottles that are $15, somebody might buy one bottle that's $20 or $25. And so save a little bit of money, drink a little bit less, but drink a little bit better. That's something that I kind of hope maybe if we do see this lag in sales, that maybe people start to up the quality of what they're drinking, if not the quantity. It'll be interesting to see if the sales are low this year because the trend in restaurant help is still low. Sure. And those people are not there to sell the wine or help with wine sales. So, But if that trend comes back when more people are employed and working in restaurants again and restaurants are opening again, then that might totally blow this out of the water. Mm-hmm. So. We'll have to watch that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to be tied to to restaurants. They mentioned wine prices will not rise this year. And I've already can tell you that's you know not going to be true. I've it, seen it too. Yeah, they're going to go up. It's, it's just the economy. Everything's going up. Glass is going up. Corks are going up. Shipping's going up. Gas is going up, right? So I, I don't know why they even mentioned how they even justified saying that. And they said not much. What's not much? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one to two bucks a bottle to me is is a lot. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And they, related to that, they said, don't expect many wine bargains on the shelves because the supply is low. Yeah. Um, and due to other conditions, you're not going to get extra bulk wine maybe in those deals or closeouts or second labels you usually see at a different price point. Yeah. I actually thought that this was a really interesting point. And this was from one of the articles from uh, Wine Spectator that we had included in this grouping of, of articles. And it brought the point that the last time we had a recession and found that we had all of these like bargain bottles, there was also this overabundance of wine out there. And so winemakers and wineries 
still had to sell all of the stuff that they had on hand. And so they dropped prices. And so there was this, I don't want to use the word glut because the I mean, it was, but it wasn't. There was all of this availability of less expensive wine out there that, that people, you know, bought up at lower prices and that that was a good thing, I feel like, kind of for everybody because the wineries needed to move it and people wanted to drink it and it was less expensive and kind of all worked out. But what they're saying is that, well, we, we're not in that situation right now. There isn't this overabundance of inexpensive wine in the market and wineries will continue to sell what they have at the prices that they want to price them at and not this like bargain basement pricing. So it's um, it's an interesting difference from the last time that we had um, a, a bit of a recession. Yeah, they mentioned the supply being low because of weather, fires, etc. And 750.com had an interesting thing, which it has to be the top thing that's going to trend this year, where climate will have an impact. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful they started with this to draw attention because- the weather, we're seeing stories trending all over the world with frost, France and Argentina, United States with fires and flood. It's just the, yeah. the climate change is impacting what is happening with supply. That's going to affect this extra juice that's around that if people are getting these phenomenal value wines with. So right. definitely climate is on the... Uh, the radar in 2023 that's going to somehow, we don't know yet, but um, I mean, just the fires, they were vintages that people didn't even make wine in California because of the fires, a couple of vintages. So yeah. Um, yeah. Climate is sort of the, I think, I feel like the underlying theme for a lot of these articles that we read that were predictions for what 2023 will hold. And for some of them, I feel like it's not necessarily specific for 2023, but more of a view of hey, this is what's to come. You know, we're going to see changes in grape varieties, you know, new grape varieties that are coming into the market that are more able to withstand either more rain or less rain or higher heat or colder winters or just it's a, a lot of the science that is going on in the wine world right now is about how do we deal with these changes in the climate and think that that is something that the wine industry kind of overall has understood and realized and now are making changes so that we will still have an industry in 50 or 100 years. So I feel like on the one hand, it feels sort of dire because it feels like there are going to be all these changes. But on the other hand, it's like, well, we will adapt and there will still be wine to drink. It just might not be what we're used to. Right. And they followed up with that saying, because of the climate, for instance, the the California fires and in uh, the issue in Burgundy with climate, people are going to look at these other regions that they might not have looked at before, like Virginia or the yep. Finger Lakes. And in France, instead of Burgundy, they're going to look at the Jura or Savoy or, or Chenon, right? In Italy, yep. uh, more the coastal part of Tuscany and more Italian sparkling than maybe French sparkling or... Yep. So it's going to higher be elevation places, you know, we're already getting red wines from Germany, sparkling wines from Southern England, you know, higher elevation places in South America. Uh, there's all of these changes that are happening, new right. great varieties that are being developed and grown, frankly, like around here. So, I mean, there's just there's a lot on the horizon that I feel like is going to be good. There's still going to be tasty wine out there to drink. It's, it's just not going to be what we 
were drinking in 2000. And there's people hurt by the climate and there's people that are being helped by the climate because they can grow things they could never grow before or things are growing better because their climate is getting better. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned indigenous or hybrid grapes will be more popular because of the climate change. So there's going to grapes that can survive that couldn't survive because of the climate change is now better. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting point they brought up. You're going to see good things because of climate change as well. It is sort of a silver lining. I don't think we're necessarily going to see those things in 2023. I think we're still going to have to be dealing with, okay, are we going to have a wildfire season in Australia next month? Or what is the heat going to look like in France and Italy in August and September in California? And, you know, those those questions that we've been dealing with really for the last decade with higher temperatures and less water or more water, as been seeing in California over the month of January, where there was just so much rain and very, very unusual in the San Francisco area because they're, I mean, (laughs) they're not used to getting that much water. So it's kind of like keeping an eye on what's going on in in certain regions and kind of taking it one season at a time, I guess. I think that's a good take because you were going to hear all this in 2023, but we're probably not going to see the outcome of it until 2024 when those wines are going to be released or yeah. if they will be released. So, yeah, that's a that's a great point. Yeah. At 750.com made one other point that said people will care more what they're drinking than the value of what they're drinking. So I guess they'll they want to know what's in it and don't care if they're paying a little bit more for what's in it. Is, is that kind of how you took that comment? Well, I think this goes back to the comment that I made in our last show about different generations have different values that they're assigning to wine. And you can talk about natural wines as not just reflecting, well, what am I putting into my body? But how is it impacting the environment? How is it impacting the people who are growing it, the people who are making it? And I think that this plays into this. And now that I've had more conversations with the generation younger than myself and talk about what is important to you that determines what you're going to buy and what you're going to drink. I think that it really does have meaning that a whole swath of the wine drinking public is saying, yeah, I would rather either drink something unusual that I know is sustainable or, you know, it doesn't matter to me what the score is, you know, that this whole thing with number scores are, are much less important. And it's more about is it real and is it authentic? And did I get a good recommendation from somebody that I trust? The whole communication and the whole what is the value that you place on this wine goes beyond the label and beyond just what it tastes like and incorporates kind of these other factors as well. So I think that that is very interesting. Do you think there's more consumers that look at something of value to them when they're selecting a wine or more people consuming that just buy something to consume? I think it's both. Yeah. I don't think that it's a point. It's a matter of more of this or more of that. I think it's more that things are changing. So I think as there people are, are thinking a little bit more, you think, huh? when you, I, th- you, you I believe think people so. are thinking, putting more thought into the process, and especially younger people, yeah. you know, up to the age of like their late 30s, I think are putting more thought into it and not just going with their favorite brands. Yeah, I'd love to see that trend. Yeah. And more. I think I mean, from my perspective, that's actually happening. So that's pretty cool because we, I mean, we do have a lot of younger students in our classes. So a lot of people that come to our events and things are younger folks. And that's been very 
I think it's been a positive for me to see that there is this curiosity in younger wine drinkers for things from other places or different grape varieties. And it makes me feel optimistic about we're going to really have to change what people think about grape varieties and blends and, hey, this is a hybrid grape made from such and such and such and such over the, you know, the next few decades. So I think having a group of wine drinkers who are coming into it with an open mind is only going to make it easier to be able to change things dramatically when when we get to the point of having, you know, Bordeaux that doesn't actually have any Merlot in it, but it's got, you know, these other grape varieties that are more res- resistant to whatever the climate in Bordeaux is going to be in a few decades. Well, I'm definitely going to follow up with you in 2024 about this conversation. <laughs> I'm probably going to be totally wrong. We'll see. Wow. We got to see. Definitely. You have to play it back for me. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Kim and Mark. You can find more information about Mark on his website, franklinliquors.com, and you can find more information about myself and my classes at Commonwealth Wine School. Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. Mark and I are talking about trends that we perhaps will see in the world of wine, the year 2023, which we have just started and I've got a number of articles that you have brought to my attention that the prognosticators are telling us what uh, what we may see in the upcoming 12 months. Yeah, everybody had an opinion, right? <laughs> Just like country, we do, because we have opinions writer, too. Yeah, everybody has an opinion. If we only knew. Yep. Well, we'll know in a year. Yep. So what next? 750 still had a couple things, right? The um, Once again, no and low alcohol will be on the shelves more, which we've mm-hmm. talked about. and. We're hitting that one over the head. And yep. they did uh, mention there was a line in here that they said the craze in bubbles hasn't abated. And uh, we spoke about that in our previous show about what happened in 2022, that uh, sparkling wines were as hot as ever. Yeah. And I, I you know, I'm hoping champagne is you can find it a little bit more and the prices kind of stay OK. But um, I think that Prosecco thing, again, is just going to crush that. But it's all good bubbly news for you, right? That's right. I'll drink it. And that'll probably it's got bubbles. That'll probably lead to the next point. They said premium wines will stay strong, right? Uh, But yeah, consumers will be drinking less, but better, which is is a good thing. I mean, that could mean uh, staying away from maybe the bigger brands or the everyday value wines and stepping up and discovering other things like you mentioned. If they discover something else, other regions, it could lead to drinking a little bit better. Uh, in my opinion. I think this was taking a different take on that, that it was What's more like the the gap between the wealthy and the not necessarily wealthy uh, is widening. Gonna The wealthier wine drinker is still going to drink the good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that those prices may still go up, but that that market will remain it. extremely healthy because right. now those people have more money to spend on fine wine. So the rich wine drinker, instead of stocking two cases in the wine cellar, might only buy. Yeah, I don't think we ever have to worry about the, (laughs) you know, the really rich wine drinkers. They're going to get what they want to get. And and those wines will continue to sell out. There's always more demand than there is supply for the uh, Romane Conte. I'm always looking at the let's get away from the bigger stuff and support the little guy type of thing, but it never happened. They mentioned use of technology to drive sales will increase in in, uh, 2023 for a while. Yeah, this must have appealed to the tech guy in you, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, 
Ah, this is, I, it, I get so discouraged with this because, you know, like the geeky me, I love to try different things. I just, yeah. it doesn't stick. And I throw them against the wall and they fall and nothing. Even as sticks. far as with your customers? Just as far as, I think technology, I just don't see what they're saying that people scanning QR codes or seeing more QR codes on a label so you can get the, the information, that type. I, I just, don't see interest in it. Do, do you see it as in, on your side? or? Well, I think, again, it comes back to who's your demographic? Who? Yeah. What age group is shopping at your store? Let me ask you this. When you have a class and it's a younger, everybody's younger to, well, to me <laughs> more than you, but as the younger generation using more technology in classes for notes, or are they looking at, say, a, a phone and telling you something, a text sheet that they looked up? Something yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So you yeah, are the the little... use of like scanning QR codes and things like that. Yeah, you are has, seeing it. Has been that's been something that we have started doing at the school because it made sense and it was easy for us and it was more environmentally friendly than you know printing off a whole bunch of paper. Just have a QR code and right. people can read the stuff on their phones. So we actually have adopted that technology because yeah. it just makes sense on so many levels. Um, it and... is harder for I think generation of folks that living with the cell phone in your hand is not necessarily the most comfortable thing or the thing that you're really used to. So I feel like for wine consumers who don't rely on their phone for every little thing, like a lot of younger people and myself too, and I'm not particularly young, it's, I think, harder to get them to see that, hey, this is a way that will improve your relationship with wine if you use this little bit of technology. But I certainly will say for the younger folks that it is, it's just, it's a very easy thing to do. And it also relates to restaurants or, or even retail or shortened staff. So they use more technology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where people can interact without someone helping them. And again, I think this is something that we might not necessarily be talking about this exact same thing if it hadn't been for the pandemic, where right, right. we had to Staffing. do this pivot to tech and to buying wine without talking to somebody and people on the other side of the industry selling wine without being able to have anybody taste it. And we had to make all of these little changes. And so I think that that experience for all of us feeds into how are we using technology now for wine, now that we're kind of on the other end of it. They also mentioned technology for better websites, Mm -hmm. which we deal with this all the time. We go to research something and you just find a site that's just horrible. uh, So frustrating. It's like, no, you should have a good website now. (laughs) Like, Haven't we learned? (laughs) I recently, I mean, I discover this all different ways, but it's just so aggravating when you go to something and the information is just out of date or, uh, so I can see people focusing more on that this year. It would be nice. And in any time we can get more information on a product or a wine or a winemaker or a winery or whatever, I think it's good for the wine world. So I, I hope this does happen in some way. And I yeah. find some other geeky gadget to um, tell you and our listeners about in, uh, <laughs> this year. And I do have a gentleman we have to interview soon who does an interesting QR code thing that oh. hopefully we can bring to our listeners soon. Okay. So. 
What else, Kim, for 2023 article trends would you like to go to? What next? So I think we do need to, I mean, I, we mentioned it a little bit with sort of the income gap, you know, and where, where wealthy people will be able to always buy the type of wines that they want. But I think that we do need to be aware that there probably will be this dip in sales for the year. And I, I know that we don't like to say, oh, you know, wine drinking is down for a particular year. But I feel like that's something that we need to be prepared for, that that'll be the reality of our 2020. 23, not just as far as sales numbers go, but amount of money that people can spend on wine. Because, I mean, we need to realize that for a lot of people, wine is a, it's an extra little pleasure. You know, it's not a necessity for everyday living. Kind of feels like a necessity for everyday living for me, but that's just me. Um, so have you adapted or thought of anything this coming year, how you're going to adapt education towards that because I have already my first thing of the year is like a value wine class. That's a really good idea. Because I find the first year, like you said, people, everything's hitting us hard. You're paying off these holidays just ended. Yeah. So tell me what's a good $10, yeah. 15, you know, that's kind of where I'm trending Yeah. earlier it in the year. You know, it's funny because when I do, sometimes when I do private events, that's one of the things that people want to talk to me about. Like what is, talk to me about why a wine costs what it costs and how can I drink good wine without having to spend so much money? Right. That's a really good idea for a class. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, steal it. Thank you. That's the toughest thing for me as a wine buyer every year, having price points for people for selection and right. finding things in that price point that I think should be on that shelf at that price point. And it's getting hotter and hotter every year. I mean, I'm tasting more and more and being very selective to give people that option if you don't want to spend a ton of money, but I want to give you good quality for that money. Right. And it, it's just, it's hotter and hotter. What about it the is. point, Kim, they mentioned critic scores. Mm will be important. Critic reviews, I think they say, would be important, but the scores, less important. Yes, not so much about the scores. Right. And, and so we've, been doing this, we've been doing this show for a really long time. And I feel like when we started it, the number was still important. Right. And that has changed. I don't see nearly as much of an emphasis on what was the score that this wine got. I certainly don't have any conversations about it at work, right. honestly. And for our you probably do, because you're in a slightly yeah. different, you know, situation than I no, am. No, no, it's, it, I, it's a good is thing it a lot about, less? for our listeners, the score is when you see, oh, this is a 90 point rated wine or, you know, 100 point. And the good thing I think about the scores, it's an easy thing. Okay, someone gave it a 90. Right, but it's who, easy. who gave it a 90? It doesn't mean you're going to like it just because that person like it. The bad thing I think about all these critics that are out there now is anybody's putting everybody excuse me is putting something on the internet and i can find something good great actually on any wine you give me on the internet it doesn't mean it's just like the score it doesn't mean what they say is what your palate is going to be so i can see where people are getting away from the scores but it's no different than the critics it's all up to you right mm -hmm. it, you know what i'm saying but and I think it's changing where people are getting their advice. Like I they, think that's what's changing. They're reading more changing. than the number. You think it's more? I, think, I want more detail than uh, just the number. Not so much that, but like 
it feels like it's this move away from whoever it is who's giving the score, you know, whether it being a big publication or magazine or whatever, and kind of moving towards this, well, I trust this person, whoever this person might be, even if they're just an influencer who really doesn't know anything about wine. Yeah. But moving away from that number. And maybe a lot of it has to do with that willingness to explore new things. Frankly, I feel like a lot of wine scores benefited certain traditional styles of wine and not necessarily others. So I think it's very interesting that in in the last few years, this idea of the value of a number score for a certain demographic of people really doesn't have much of an impact anymore. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know how we yeah. can really. I don't know. Yeah, that, I don't know how we measure that right? <laughs> for the upcoming year, but I, I think that's more of like a long-term watch and see what happens. And maybe scores aren't front and center on tasting notes or yeah. shelf talkers or things anymore. I don't know. And I mean, we covered a lot of different things. They think are going to trend now, Kim. I want to talk about our predictions for 2023. Did you have anything that you feel? will trend this year? I'm hoping that it's an em- embracing of new wine regions and new wine countries. Like I'm very excited about some things that I'm seeing from Central and South America, which I hope will start to be on people's radar, also from Eastern Europe. So it, it really does seem like in the last couple of years, there was sort of an inkling of, hey, there's these wines from countries like Hungary and Croatia and Georgia that are are interesting and are kind of starting to be on people's radars. And now I feel like there's more awareness of those wines. So I'm hoping that that will be one of the things we see this year is uptick in understanding and market share of kind of these wines from places that people haven't necessarily purchased wine from before. Um, But I also feel like there's this kind of blurring of styles sometimes like people i i would like people to start talking a little bit less about grape variety and more about like what is the style of wine that they want to drink do they want light and crisp do they want bold and tannic that kind of thing so those are my hopes i'm going to say yeah. for 2023 not necessarily yeah, it's all about discovery, right? I mean, discovering the style you like, discovering other regions. It's all how you help people with education and different class ideas to to draw the attention to these things that you want people to pick up on, correct? I mean, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And that's something that we, you know, we try to do a lot of at the wine school, not necessarily through our certification programs, because a lot of those are a little bit more traditional, shall we say, but a lot of the, I like to call them the quote unquote fun stuff that we do, but We do a lot of interesting things. So I hope that we can get some of these new areas or or new grape varieties or or whatever in front of people and then be a catalyst for what people are looking to find in retail or in restaurants. Right. Set the trend. Set the trend. Exactly. Trendsetters. What about you? Well, when we were talking about the show content, I I wrote this note down so I wouldn't forget it because you know me. And I'm excited to ask you about this because I need Mm. to know your opinion because You're a big beer person, a big beer educator. Mm -hmm. What have you noticed about the trend in beer? Oh, because I'm hoping it relates to my. Okay. What I so I am hopeful that so you know we kind of went through this trend a year or two ago where like sour beers started going like way off the rails where they got like really sour and. 
unpleasantly so. And I like high sour things. And and I felt like they, this was like over the top. I'm hoping to see that sour beers start to draw in the reins a little bit, pull in the reins. What's the phrase? Yeah. And that we don't have so much aggressively sour stuff in the market. I like the trend in hazy IPAs, New England IPAs, where it's more about the flavor and the aromatics and less about the bitterness. And I don't know if that's just because that's my particular style, but it's nice to have something that gives you the full characteristics of hops without necessarily the bitterness. So that's a trend I'm very happy to see in beer. Uh, I don't know where you're leading me to, but those well, are my you're, you're, those you're are a couple of my of, thoughts on beer. You walked right into what I was hoping you were going to say. But I didn't. So, no, no. I want to relate that to wine, of course, but craft versus mm. big production. So oh, yeah. what craft you mentioned is, still... is all craft beer production. Budweiser, Miller Coors is not making a sour beer that you're going right. to probably purchase, right? I mean, and over the years, as your beer palate has matured, have you gone away from domestic big brands to craft more small craft brands? Yeah, because I was never much of a big brand beer drinker anyway, with the exception of something like Blue Moon, because okay. I like wheat, wheat beers. So like that was my starter wheat beer, as it was probably a lot of people's starter wheat beers. But I've never really been a big, unless I'm at Fenway Park, I'm not going to be yeah. buying Budweiser. Right. Well, yeah. same, you know, same with me if I'm out in uh, Foxborough Stadium, I'm, I'm drinking wine in a can, but I, I'm still drinking <laughs> wine, right? <laughs> my, well, my, my whole point, and this is my hope and it's never going to happen in, in uh, 2023, but I just want to see a change how I'm seeing change in beer sales and mm -hmm. beer purchasing. People in beer are leaning towards the craft four pack. The guy who was buying a 30 pack, a 36 pack is exploring four packs of craft beer, different yeah. things, right? Why? And you can, I mean, and I, I feel like this is something that you see just in the fact that we have stores now that just focus on exactly. craft beers. Exactly. So but if the market why? can sustain that, then it means that that's you know actual actually a reality. It can and trend, your point right. to to there being the parallel between wine and beer is very well taken. But it doesn't happen for wine. It's you know what not I think. Happening. You know what I think. One of the problems is too is that wine consumers don't know that they are drinking the Budweiser of wine. Yeah, and that's they exactly... think that they are drinking a small handmade right bottle of wine when in fact there are like three million cases of that wine made is it easier to deceive in the wine world than in the in the beer world i think there point? are different like why else? doesn't budweiser make a four pack 16 ounce and make it look like a because they're not going for that or they know they're not going to get that person Maybe. you know what i mean like how can we as people talking about wine people educating about wine how can we change that trend in wine like beer is trending i think okay. in a lot of ways it's because there are far fewer beer labels that fall into that category there are maybe two dozen if that you're talking big brands yeah like big yeah well, the the all the biggest producers of beer are the big guys right right it's almost like the same percentage beer, you know, as in wine. There's the big guys and then there's the little guys. But I think there's the a more marked differentiation between the big guys and the little guys when it comes to beer. And that line is a lot hazier when it comes to wine. 
Yeah. I'm just, that's my whole thing is to just how hopefully eventually the trend in wine, people start knowing there's that craft wine. Yeah. I guess that's my main thing, Kim, is like for our listeners out there, there's craft, small production wines that are great values, great quality, just like in beer with your craft beer. And there's different styles, like your sours and your session and your double IP. The same thing with wine. If you think of the grape varietals, it's the same as beer styles. And people know, like you know, Kim, you like a certain style of right. sour beer. And I just wish it trended. People would learn wine that way to know, I like Chardonnay. I like unoaked Chardonnay. I like Chardonnay from wherever, Chile, whatever, to be more like that beer person. But and maybe it will. I Hopefully, um, that's what I like to see. That's I my, like it. my goal. Yes. Anyway, so that we will talk about in 2024. And you can say, <laughs> Mark, you were an idiot and you were, you were a dreamer and it didn't no, happen. No, <laughs> you can have your... <laughs> You can have your big picture. But I think you got gonna... my point. I hope, I hope the listeners did yeah. too. And and uh, I think that's all we're going to cover for this, right, Kim? I mean, I we, think so. Our predictions yeah, that's all and we everybody else's for... predictions. Yeah, predictions for 2023. And we'll just keep going at it. See what happens in the next 12 months. We'll review it. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like more information about Kim, please go to her website at commonwealthwineschool.com. For more information about myself, please go to franklinlickers.com. As always, you can find us on all social media, Instagram, Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We're on Twitter at Wine Education. Any questions or comments, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Our past episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we're here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye.